1: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join
2: Superman, here is an important message. If you are one of the millions of young Americans anxious to actually get your hands on some war work, listen carefully. Twenty-five years ago, during the First World War, the American Red Cross organized a junior division so that young folks in grade school and high school could actively contribute to the national war effort. As soon as the organization was announced, fellows and girls all over the country joined and put their combined efforts into activities that earned the gratitude of our fighting forces. Well, the time has come when once again your country needs your help. As President Roosevelt said in a letter to the American Red Cross recently, the needs of our nation at war are great. The American Junior Red Cross, because it has already proved its ability, can be counted on to assist greatly toward meeting those needs. Now, some of you may ask, what can I do to help win this war as a member of the Junior Red Cross? Well, some of you can actively assist the Senior Red Cross in their canteen work. Others can make things for soldiers and sailors in your whole economics and industrial classes. And there are other services, such as collecting books, Entertaining hospital patients, gathering wearing apparel for refugees and for homeless children in Nazi-occupied countries, raising money for the relief of children in war zones, making up gift boxes for soldiers, joining first aid units, and many, many other things that come within the scope of the Junior Red Cross. So don't waste time. Decide now to roll up your sleeves and pitch in to help America win this war. Ask your teacher tomorrow about the Junior Red Cross, ...and see that your whole class joins as a unit. As an active member of the Junior Red Cross, you'll be proud to know that your time and your effort... ...actively helps America to knock out the Nazis and the Japs. And now, the adventures of Superman.
1: Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, star reporter, Lois Lane, girl reporter... ...Editor Perry White of the Daily Planet and young Jimmy Olsen... ...are now in the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada where they're investigating the mystery of the Headless Indian, a ghostly apparition that, according to legend, brings death to anyone who sees it three times. Sebastian Beauvais, owner of the hunting lodge at which our friends are staying, has already seen the Headless Indian twice. One of the guests at the lodge is a man who calls himself Niles Graham, but who is actually the sinister character known as the Laffer, who has vowed to kill our friends, including Kent. The Laffer doesn't know, of course, that Kent is actually Superman. Well, yesterday we heard how Perry White and Jimmy Olsen went off into the woods together early in the morning to do some hunting with a camera. Suddenly a huge grizzly bear appeared before them on the trail and came lunging for them. Hairy arms extended, its huge mouth wide open, its yellow fangs dripping. And just then Perry White realized he had forgotten to load the rifle he was carrying. Listen. <laughs>
2: The rifle, Jim. I've got the load is it. empty. Leaping
0: mackerel, Mr. White, what do we do? Run, Jim. Stop running. No, I'm staying with Williams, you. We'll do as I say. Run
2: for your life. No. I'll hold the bear off long enough for you to get away. No, sir.
1: I'm staying here. Jim,
2: in the name of heaven. Oh, never mind. It's too late now. I'll have to use my hunting knife. You
1: can't do it. Look, he'll kill us. If both. you won't run, then get behind me, Jim. Here he comes.
3: Look at his mouth. His mouth. No. Ah!
1: The huge, grizzly, eyes blazing, fangs dripping, carries Perry White to the ground with the impact of his rushing body. Over and over in the snow they rolled, the long, thin blade of the hunting knife glinting in the sun as White drives at home again and again. Meanwhile, back at the hunting lodge, unaware of the danger his friends are in, Superman, in his disguise of Clark Kent, sits at a table in the dining room and is about to begin breakfast. Oh, as
0: soon as I finish breakfast, I better go up and see how Mr. White is doing. Oh, hello, Lois.
3: Well, up early, I think. Hello, Clark. Yes, I thought I'd get up early and go for a walk in the woods. Hey,
0: great idea. I'll go with you.
3: Well, maybe Mr. White and Jimmy would like to go on too.
0: After what happened last night... Oh, I forgot. You don't know what happened last night. What? You don't know about the headless Indian and the chief almost getting killed. What in the world are you talking about? Oh, sit down, sit down. Have some breakfast. I'll tell you all about it. Please do. Headless
3: Indians. What in heaven's name do you mean? Will you have some breakfast? No, thanks. I'll wait. Go ahead with what happened last night.
0: Well, after you went to bed, we all sat around the fireplace in the main room. Yes, Sebastian finally decided to tell us why he had gotten us up here, why it was so urgent. Yes, go on. Well, it seems there's a legend hereabouts that concerns a headless Indian who rides the forest at night on a huge white horse. And it's said that whoever sees the headless Indian three times will die. Sebastian has seen the headless Indian twice. What? Mm -hmm, And almost saw him for the third time last night. Oh, Claude! now this is stupid. Well, that's what I thought until I saw the headless Indian. You? You saw him? I certainly did. First we heard the cry of a wolf, and then the Indian, yowling like a banshee, came riding across the ridge there in front of the lodge. How could you see him in the dark? Well, last night was pretty clear with a full moon. And besides, this Indian is not only headless, but he glows in the dark like a... like an incandescent lamp. Oh, Clark, you're kidding. On oh, my word of honor. That's how Mr. White came to get hurt. He and I set out to follow the tracks of the horse in the snow.
4: Yes?
0: And well, we followed them to a place called the Devil's Canyon. As we approached, we noticed that the hoof prints in the snow were getting lighter getting
3: lighter. Mm-hmm. Well, how could that be? I don't
0: know. It seemed as if a horse's hoofs were barely touching the snow. And when we reached the edge of the canyon, we found that the hoof print stopped entirely.
3: Which meant that the horse either plunged over, carrying the headless Indian with him, or just took off into the air. Exactly. Now listen, Clark, you don't believe that.
0: Well, I believe it, and
3: I don't believe it. Well, that's silly. How can you believe a thing and not believe it all at the same time? <laughs> Remember the tiny men? Oh, yes, well, I do. I told
0: you the tiny men existed, and yet they didn't exist. That's exactly what I mean about this headless Indian and his flying horse.
3: Well, I see. You mean somebody's playing
0: tricks. Exactly. Why? Well, we'll get to that later. First, let me finish my story. While White and I were standing on the edge of the canyon, a shot was fired from a rifle somewhere in the forest behind us. And the bullet grazed the chief's temple. Great heavens! Well, oh, he wasn't seriously hurt, though. I was afraid he was until I got him back here. I flew back with him as quickly as what I could. What we... I said I flew...
2: I, uh... uh i, I uh, back oh, with him uh, a quick uh, about... uh, Monsieur, oh, oh, yes, yes, George. I, I'm through. You, you may remove the dishes. Uh, uh. Bien, monsieur. It is not for this reason I speak. Oh, something you want to tell me? We uh, oui. uh, This morning, very early, uh, Monsieur Waite and the young boy, me. they leave to go hunting. Uh, they asked me to tell you they come by breakfast.
3: <coughs> Great Scott. Oh, for heaven's sake, why did you jump up? Well, look, you've knocked over practically everything on the table. Oh, I just thought of something. I...
0: I, I, I've got to go after those two.
3: What for? Well, it, it's not safe in those woods. Oh, no. for heaven's sake, Clark, sit down. What could you do for them anyway? Uh, there's
2: nothing to worry, Monsieur Kent. They have the damn rifle. No one will come. Monsieur Graham, he come in only twenty minutes ago with two fine partridges. Nothing happened to him. Mister Graham was
0: hunting this morning, also. We. Oui.
2: He leaves short time after Monsieur White and Jimmy.
0: Lois, you'll have to excuse me. I, I feel a little nervous. I, I've got some medicine in my room that I take when my nerves. I'll, I'll be right back. With all the
2: silly week. Well, that's Clark. I am sorry your friend is upset.
3: No, that's his natural state, George. How about some breakfast for me? Uh,
4: Oui. Uh, What would you like? I might have the privilege of ordering Miss Lane's breakfast for
3: her. Mr. Graham, good morning.
4: May I sit with you?
3: Please do. I love it.
4: Thank you. George, I think uh, French pancakes will go especially well this morning for Miss Lane and myself. And some toast. Lightly done, golden, crispy brown. Comparable? No, we must have them. We. Well, Miss Lane, it's indeed a pleasure. I didn't expect to find you at breakfast at this early hour.
3: It's hardly early for you. I understand you've been out hunting.
4: Yes, yeah, fairly good luck. Managed to get a brace of partridge. We'll have them for lunch if you'll join me.
3: I'd love it. You know, Mister Graham, you are a fascinating man. <laughs>
4: Dear me, <laughs> it is rather early for compliments.
3: I didn't mean it exactly as a compliment. I meant that, well, your appearance, for one thing.
4: I'm afraid that counts against me. How can a man be fascinating when he's the unfortunate possessor of three chins and 200 pounds of weight he could well do without?
3: I don't know. Somehow, in your case, it doesn't matter. You're well-tailored, you're... Oh, I must confess, you, if you don't mind, you do sort of cover yourself with diamonds...
4: Yes. I know it's vulgar, but I have a weakness for precious jewels. You'll overlook it, I hope. Oh, of course. Ever done any hunting, Miss Lane?
3: No, I never have.
4: Would you like to? Oh,
3: I don't think so. I I couldn't bear to kill anything.
4: That's quite understandable, of course. However, you have no objection to shooting at a sport, and nothing more than that, I trust. I mean to say mere target shooting. Oh,
3: no, no, of course not.
4: Well, then suppose you and I go out after breakfast and take a couple of guns with us.
3: Oh, no. Matter of fact, I've never even fired a gun.
4: Then I'll teach you.
3: No, really, I don't think I...
4: would Oh, come, Miss Lane. You're not afraid of me, are you?
3: Well, to tell the truth, I don't know. Sometimes I... I don't know, I detect a look in your eyes. I I sound like a schoolgirl now.
4: Then you will come. Target shooting's a great deal of fun. You can aim at trees and twigs and rocks. And that sort of thing. You'll enjoy it, believe me.
3: All right, I'll come. Don't let me get in your way, will you?
4: <laughs> That's exactly what I want you to do. To get in my way.
3: That was a queer thing to say. And you had that look in your eye.
4: Schoolgirl? <laughs> 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 What's the matter? Through the window there. I thought I saw... I thought I saw a flash of red and blue against the snow.
3: Red and blue against the snow?
4: Yes. And for a moment I thought... Thought what? (laughs) Do you believe in Superman, Miss Lane? Yes, I do. (laughs)
3: Why are you laughing (laughs) sir?
4: Just a private joke, Miss Lane. (laughs) A private little joke of my own. (laughs) A flash of red and blue against
1: the snow... Yes, for Superman is winging his way through the forest, following the trail left by Perry White and Jimmy, hoping he'll be in time to save his friends from the lapper. But this time, it is not the lapper who threatens their lives. A terrible scene is taking place in the deep vastness of the
4: woods.
1: Still fighting valiantly, though weakly, about to collapse any moment, Perry White, badly clawed and bitten, struggles to hold onto the knife which is his only defense. Tries to find the strength to keep the monstrous Grizzly at bay while Jimmy escapes.
3: Jim, run, boy, run. Save yourself. I, I'm finished. No, I won't. I can't. I'm going to stick with Don't you. Don't be a fool, boy. Oh. Mr. White. Mr. White. No, Mr.
1: White. What a spot Jimmy is in. And what about Perry White? Remember, too, as Superman speeds toward the scene, the Laugher, masquerading as Niles Graham is preparing to do away with Lois by pretending to take her hunting. What will happen? Be sure to hear tomorrow's episode and listen in every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station.
2: Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Yes, don't fail to hear the next exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman tomorrow. And don't forget what else you're going to do tomorrow. First thing in the morning, make it your business to ask your teacher about joining the Junior Red Cross. Tell her how much you want to assist actively in America's war effort. How you want to give up some of your playtime and actually do something constructive to help win this war. Remember, your country at war needs your help to knock out the Nazis and the Japs and to preserve the American way of life. So join the Junior Red Cross now. Roll up your sleeves and pitch in with a will. For complete information regarding the Junior Red Cross, and its many, many activities, just ask your teacher to contact your local Red Cross office.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comic Magazine.
2: This is Mutual.